this is what was causing all the fuss? I think it's a child. It is better to deliver it alive, then. My ship has been destroyed. I'm trapped here. Stripped, not destroyed. The Jawas steal. They don't destroy. Stolen or destroyed makes no difference to me. They're protected by the crawling fortress. There's no way to recover the parts. You can trade. With Jawas? Are you out of your mind? I will take you to them. I have spoken. Mighty Mandalorian mercenary folk out there listening to this podcast. This is the second episode of Mandovision. And we are still doing the podcast within a podcast format where we are going back into the initial reviews that I did of The Mandalorian as it was airing on Disney Plus back in November. And I am offering up further criticism, further insights, or possibly corrections to things that I, uh, I got wrong the first time around. This is episode two, The Child, and we get a little bit more of the budding relationship between our helmeted Mandalorian hero and the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, as they make their way back from the end, from their first encounter, actually. They journey back to the Razor Crest, and adventure ensues. I mean, that's, that's kind of the crux of the, of the entire show, isn't it? So... We'll get right into that episode first, uh, shortly, but first I wanted to talk about what happened yesterday, which is uh, via Entertainment Weekly, we got our first images from Season 2 of The Mandalorian, and they are uh, pretty impressive. I think they look really, really sharp, really, really good. A couple couple good ones of The Mandalorian, you know, Din Djarin himself, uh, a couple little shots with Baby Yoda in the background there, to the side even, uh, shots of Cara Doom. We got Grief Karga in there, Moff Gideon, really great shot of a, uh, a sand person on top of a bantha. Really wonderful stuff there. I don't want to... We could speculate what all of it means, but uh, it, it's just exciting to see that uh, at some point all these characters are going to come together again. And, I mean, we kind of knew that was going to happen to begin with, but it's kind of nice to see it happen <laughs> in these still images. It's just nice. It just filled my heart with joy to kind of see those characters back together again and know that we're going to get to see those new episodes uh, in a little over a month. So really, really great stuff coming up soon on Season 2 of The Mandalorian. By the way, you can probably hear the jackhammering is still going on outside. I'm trying my best to minimize that, so hopefully it's not as uh, jarring as it was last week. And uh, otherwise, let's just dive in to the show, where I will uh, chime in when I can and offer up any corrections that I might have gotten wrong the first time around. And, and I'll talk to you guys on the other side of this episode. Remember, we're in Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 2, The Child. All right, here we go. Buckle up. Hold on to your butts. And buckle up again. Explain it to me again. I still don't understand what happened. Neither do I. Listen, they may not understand what just happened, but we understand what just happened, and we're going to get all into it today as we continue our series breaking down every single episode of Season 1 of The Mandalorian. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to 3BZine Presents, the TomCast Podcast, a.k.a. Popcast. This is issue 54 of the show. All right, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, this is a special episode dedicated to the review of Chapter 2 of 
The Mandalorian. Now, before we dive into our Chapter 2 review, a couple of corrections from last week's show. Uh, for some reason, I mispronounced the executive producer's name. It is not Dave Fiolini. It's Dave Filoni. And I've known that for like over a decade, so I don't know why I said it wrong. Boo-boo on my part. My apologies to Mr. Filoni. I did address that on last week's show as well. And uh, one, one thing I neglected to mention in last week's show, there, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the great little nods to, to the original trilogy that, that, that occurred in, in, the, in the show. Uh, but I, I, it was in my notes, but it was in a section that I kind of moved through fast, so I didn't go back to it because I was kind of, re, you know, I was kind of going over the notes in the order of things in the show. And then, uh, anyways, this was in the wrong section of the notes, and I, I didn't go back to it, and that's my fault. But I didn't mention uh, the, the Quakian monkey lizard and uh, the Quakian monkey lizard uh, watching his friend on a spit getting roasted, which was uh, pretty epic uh, and pretty fun. Now, if you're not quite familiar with the heck a Kowakian monkey lizard is, lizard is uh, just think of Salacious Crumb, you know, Jabba's little uh, cackling sidekick from Return of the Jedi, and that is a Kowakian monkey lizard. So there we go. Those are the corrections and omissions from Chapter 1. Now we can move on to Chapter 2. Chapter 2 of The Mandalorian, titled The Child, directed by... Directed by Rick Famuyiwa, I hope I said your name correctly, sir, and written by, once again, John Favreau. All right, so before we dive into this, again, I said dive, but b- b- before we start recapping the events of Chapter 2, let's just get something straight, okay? You know, I, I think I kind of hinted and talked about it a little bit on the last show. And let, let's, let's also make sure we're aware of something, too. We're all adults on this program, right? Like, we're all friends here. We, we, we can talk to each other the way friends talk to each other. So I don't need to say spoiler alert or spoiler warning or any of that nonsense. We're all grown-ups. We're watching the show. We're not waiting. We're not waiting for people. No, no, no. We are the hardcore fans. We are the ones who we have to get our fix. We need our fix. We need to, we need to take Disney Plus and shoot it right into our veins because it's so goddamn good, so nourishing. It's the, it's the essence of life. So again, I'm not pulling punches. We're, we're getting into things, okay? And if you're scared of that, it's okay to be scared, but we're in this together. We're going to go through, go through it as friends and come out the other side even better friends, okay? So let's set the record straight now. Baby Yoda is the goddamn cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. What's that you say? What about your friend's children? Don't care. My friends with kids, sorry, Baby Yoda. I don't, I don't know how to talk, how, how, how to, you can possibly tell me that your child is cuter. I've probably just offended everybody. I'm, I'm kind of sorry about that. No, I'm not sorry about that at all. I stand by that 110% still to this day. But baby Yoda's so cute. He's so cute. So whenever we talk about scenes that, 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 um, you know, are baby Yoda's in and baby Yoda's doing things and, and interacting with things. Just imagine, you know, you, you probably saw the episode already. Remember how cute he was. Think of the cutest thing you can possibly think of, and he's doing it. So if you haven't seen the show, that's what I want you to think of. If you've not watched The Mandalorian, and for some reason you're listening to this show, and I'm telling you what baby Yoda's doing, imagine the cutest possible way he's doing whatever action I'm describing, because it is insane. I can't wait to see, you know, whatever kind of uh, behind-the-scenes work was done to, to, to go into the creation of Baby Yoda, but I, I can't imagine Disney's not going to capitalize on this with, with some kind of, like, Baby Yoda plushies and, and, and things of that nature, because he is uh, hashtag totes adorbs, and I want uh, seven, uh, at least seven Baby Yodas running around my house right now, uh, helping me uh, get all the, the random toads we come across in the house. Anyways, all right, so enough of that digression. Again, Baby Yoda's so cute. If I offended you and your children, I apologize. Sort of. Still love you. All right. All right, so this episode picks up basically right where we left off at, at the end of Chapter 1. Uh, the Mandalorian, he's, he's killed IG-11. Killed. He's a robot. Whatever. Uh, but the Mandalorian has, has the asset, has Baby Yoda, has that little floating crib. Uh, in, in, in between episodes, he apparently has uh, keyed that floating 
uh, pod to uh, to his his person somehow because it just kind of follows him around. He doesn't have to push it. It's, you know, it's not like that. It's not like a shopping cart. It just kind of goes with goes where he goes and is with him at all times. And uh, that's a that's kind of a pretty cool thing. And it kind of comes in a little handy later on. We'll talk about that too. So the Mandalorian is beginning his journey back to his ship, the Razor Crest, and he's on foot. Uh, no return trip on a blurg this time around. Uh, you know, our, our friend Kuli, Kuil, I still can't say it right. I'm, I, I'm sorry, Nick Nolte. Uh, he took both blurgs. You know, maybe he, maybe he didn't think the Mandalorian was going to make it back out alive. I don't know. It seemed like he was confident in the Mandalorian, so I'm not sure why he didn't leave him a blurg. But, I mean, that's the deal they didn't negotiate, I suppose. So we got, we got the floating pod of Baby Yoda. It's, it's synced to follow him, and they're, they're walking beneath the surface. You know, in chapter one, we, we saw as they rode the blurgs to the compound, um, they were above the surface. They're kind of hopping over these giant cracks in the surface of the planet. Now we're in those cracks. We are, we're, we're, we're down below. And uh, it's, a, it's a much muddier planet than I think we thought from, from, uh, from what we saw in chapter one. Now, as they're journeying, we begin to realize, and the Mando begins to realize, and he's not alone. He starts hearing things. Little things kind of flip past just out, just out the corner of his eyes. He notices through his, his T-shaped visor. Clearly, he's being hunted. And we're going to find out very soon that it's a group of Trendoshans. Now, is it the same group of Trendoshans that were, with, that were in the cantina when he was initially uh, getting, getting paid for his bounties in, in, in Chapter 1? I think it's very likely, very likely that these Trendoshans were also hired by the Imperials to retrieve Baby Yoda. Um, we might get a little bit more clarification on that going forward, but I think it's safe to assume that uh, they were keen to uh, swoop in after the fact, let the Mandalorian do the dirty work, and then steal the bounty out from under him. And uh, that's, that's, that's pretty common bounty hunter practice in the Star Wars universe. Uh, a lot of the, uh, like we talked about last week, uh, a lot of the Legends series comic books are about that. Yeah, but there's a whole entire series of comic books uh, that take place just after the events of The Empire Strikes Back, where uh, Boba Fett is trying to get the carbonite frozen body of Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt, except every bounty hunter in the galaxy is trying to make sure he doesn't get there because they're trying to intercept Slave One and Boba Fett and uh, uh, take Han Solo from him so they can collect a massive bounty on Han Solo. So uh, bounty hunters, you know, not exactly an honor among, you know, bounty hunter kind of situation right there. Now, before we get back into to the, the trend of Shen that are that are that are hunting our Mandalorian hero, let's go back a little bit because as as uh, as as the Mandalorian and as Baby Yoda are making their journey through here, this is this is one of the things that kind of cued me in real quickly that that Baby Yoda is gonna be the cutest thing on your TV for the rest of 2019 uh, because as they're kind of as they're making their journey as they're walking through this kind of uh, underground canyon area. Uh, there's these little critters, these little lizard critters that are, that are you know, kind of curious about, about the, the people journeying through their, their, their part of the world. And little baby Yoda's just looking around with like, this super curious look on his face, and you can just tell. You can look at those eyes, and he's so cute. And you know that, oh my gosh, I want a baby Yoda. And again, th- this is kind of a less is more situation as far as, uh, as, far as the show goes, because... You just kind of get, like, they don't, you know, you don't, at least so far, we haven't gotten tons of FaceTime exposure for Baby Yoda. I mean, he just shows, he's just kind of, like, here he is looking at these things, and he's just super cute doing it, and it's amazing. And I'm totally infatuated with the Baby Yoda. I can't help it. I'm sorry, folks. All right, so the Mandalorian, he sees a flicker out of the, out of the from the shadows, out of the corner of his eyes. And then uh, he turns his head to kind of survey the area, and what's really cool is they do a nice little effect with... Uh, the, you know, from the sh- the reflection in his helmet, we're able to see Trendoshans hopping over the crevasses in the in the, in the land uh, before they make their their attack on the Mandalorian. So it's kind of a neat little effect where you, where you kind of see what the Mandalorian can't through the reflection in his helmet. Really well done shot there. So a Trendoshan leaps out to attack uh, the Mando. Instinctively shoves the floating pod a safe distance away from the from the upcoming melee. Uh, a second and then a third tradition join the fight as the baby Yoda looks on inquisitively. As the Mandalorian dispatches one attacker, the second... Oh, I'm sorry. As the Mandalorian dispatches one attacker and then the second, a third, the third attacker, makes, makes a run towards the baby Yoda. His vibroax is raised above his head to end the life of baby Yoda. 
And we can't let that happen because this is only chapter two of an eight-chapter show. So there's no way he's going to make it, right? 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 Yeah, you're right. Because the Mandalorian fires his Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster and disintegrates the Trandoshan. Awesome. So awesome. Uh, then the Mandalorian looks around after kind of in the carnage of the Trandoshans he's just killed. And he sees a tracking device on the ground and, and the Mando kind of realizes uh, at that point, he, you know, he's not the only one after this bounty, uh, and more people will be coming to, to collect on this, this child. Now, I mentioned the name of, of the Mandalorian's long rifle here, the, the Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster. I neglected to talk about this last week because I was, I don't, I, try, I was trying to get data on the Mandalorian's weapons, and a lot of the stuff I was looking up, I, I guess I was Googling incorrectly, because apparently this has been known for a little while, and I just kind of missed it, and that's on me. But his long blaster, his long rifle, uh, the, the primary weapon he uses this episode, he only used it a little bit in the, first, in the first chapter. But in this one, he uses it quite a bit, this Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster. Uh, I'm still a little embarrassed of, 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 for myself that I didn't recognize that that weapon sooner and that we didn't talk about it more in the first episode so it is kind of funny slash a little embarrassing going back and, and revisiting this episode and being like gosh darn it why didn't i kind of pick up on that sooner but i have a really good uh, description of it for you now enjoy this is the the gun that was featured prominently in what we talked about last week the star wars holiday special Turns out John Favreau is kind of obsessed with the Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, particularly the animated portion of that of that of that show uh, that featured Boba Fett, and this was the weapon that Boba Fett carried with him on that show, the Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster, and uh, it's real good at disintegrating folks. So that's what he has, and uh, it's come out recently too. I, I forget if it was right before or right after Chapter Two had dropped on Disney Plus that. John Favreau is insanely interested in doing a new Star Wars holiday special. And, you know, judging by how good this show has been so far, now granted, it's two out of eight chapters. There, the, the, you know, things could go wrong, but I don't think so. The trajectory looks good so far. Uh, I, I think John Favreau might get his wish from, from Kathleen Kennedy and, and the folks at, at Lucasfilm and Disney. There may be a new Star Wars holiday special in the works somewhere. Obviously not for this year, but maybe maybe uh, the holiday season of 2020, we get some, a new version of, uh, of Life Day coming at us, which would be kind of insane because of, uh, like I said, for, I mean, almost since it aired in the 70s, uh, Lucasfilm and George Lucas have, have kind of looked at this as uh, this this bastard child they tried to leave in a, in a in a in a closet somewhere forget all about and and so the idea that Favreau's kind of obsessed with it is uh, a funny but b fascinating at the same time and you know everyone listening to this show we're all Star Wars fans but we're probably also all big Marvel fans so we know what Favreau's capable of I mean his movie Iron Man was the spine of the Marvel Cinematic Universe if it wasn't for the job he did on that fl- on that p- one movie. We, would, we may not have gotten the 22 that came after it to make us get to Avengers, you know, Infinity War and Infinity Game, these movies that made us cry and leap out of our seats and scream and, and do all these things. I mean, so if, if Favreau wants to make, make a Star Wars holiday special, uh, more power to the guy. All right, let's get back to the show. To the sh- not just this show, but to the, the, our recap of Chapter 2 of The Mandalorian. So after the attack, they're back on the surface of the planet. And it, it's the sun setting down, and they're, they're going to camp for the night, the Mando and Baby Yoda. Uh, the Mando is tending to his wounds as Baby Yoda looks on. The Baby Yoda stands before the Mando, his arm extended out in a pose that Star Wars fans might recognize as a very Yoda-esque kind of thing. Maybe you've seen it once or twice. Uh, the Mando just picks him up and puts him back in his little pod, assuming the child maybe wants to be held or fed or something like that. And then next... You know, we see the Mandalorian, he's, re- he's repairing the circuitry on his chest plate from, from the battles. And the child comes out of his pot, does the same thing. So the Mando, again, not knowing any better, just, you know, assumes the kid wants to be held. So he does the same thing. He puts the kid back in the pod, this time closing the lid on Baby Yoda. Now at daybreak, the journey back to the ship continues on foot. As they approach a ridge, a sand crawler can be seen. The Jawas are scavenging the Razor Crest. The Mando wastes no time in opening fire with his Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster. 
and disintegrates several Jawas, leaving only their robes behind. It's a really cool effect. It looks incredible, incredible in the show. The remaining Jawas uh, are panicking, running, fleeing back inside the sand crawler, and they get in there and they, they drive off. And, and the Mando's not going to put up with that. He pursues on foot because they have all of his parts. They've scavenged his ship. If he doesn't get his parts back, he knows he's not going anywhere. He's not collecting any bounties, and he's a sitting duck for the other bounty hunters that are going to be coming for him and that bounty. So he's able to track to... He's able to catch the sand crawler, and he begins to climb up the outside of it. Now, this is a, an incredible little action piece because, um, you know, again, the sand crawler, a, another throwback to... Star Wars films of old, you know, the, from the very first one, from A New Hope, where we saw that sand crawler coming over the dunes with, uh, with the droids inside of it. And we've always, like, wondered a little bit more about this, this mobile fortress that the, the Jawas live in. So we have Jawas poking their heads out of these, like, little uh, ports, little window kind of thing. Not, like, windows, because you can't see, but they're little, these little ports. And they're just throwing crap down at him, trying to get the Mando off the side of the of the of the of the sand crawler. Um, and he, he this <laughs> the Mandalorian does not fuck around with Jawas. He just grabs them and throws them out. He doesn't care if they're dead or not. There's no sympathy whatsoever for the Jawas. Uh, and it's pretty funny to watch the way he just casually, just like I said, just reaches in, throws them out, and that's that. So after it. it, it, it in really nice, like I said, a good action piece, a good scene. He finally reaches to the top of the sand crawler, uh, only to find about a half dozen Jawas or so waiting for him. They blast him with, like, a, I think it was like an ion, ion pulse rifles, the same thing they use on, on R2-D2 to the, the incapacitate the droid. And it incapacitates him because, like we said, we saw with the circuitry in his suit, so it locks him up, and he just falls off the sand crawler. Now, the funny part about this is because he takes off chasing after the sand crawler, and because the pod is keyed to him, the baby Yoda's along for the ride too. You know, he's he's coming in at a safe distance, keeping up with the Mandalorian as as he's you know climbing up his 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 way up the sand crawler. So it's pretty it's pretty darn amusing, especially when the Mandalorian wakes up and just baby Yoda's baby Yoda is just kind of sitting there, uh, looking just been you know waiting for him to wake up again so they can go back to doing whatever they're doing. All right, so when he when he wakes up, baby Yoda's there, but the sand crawler's long gone. So he, they they return to the Razor Crest. The Mando finds it completely stripped. Even his even his cast of weapons is gone, and with nowhere left to go, he he goes to Kui back to Kuil's. I know I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. He goes back to Kuil's ranch, and uh, the Ugnaught agrees to help the Mando get his parts back from the Jawas. And uh, while this scene is playing out, we get to see Baby Yoda outside of his his pod, kind of on his feet, moving around, and he's interacting with these little uh, frog-like creatures that are on the ranch. And it's pretty, it's pretty funny because as, uh, you know, the Mando and Kuil are talking to each other and then, uh, you know, you just hear the Mando yell, get that out of your mouth. And you just see baby Yoda eating a, a, a whole frog in his mouth. It's, it's a really funny, again, and cute scene. I mean, even, even with frog legs sticking out of his mouth, baby Yoda is adorable. I, I'm not sorry about that. Okay. So the Mando, baby Yoda and Kuil ride to meet the Jawas and trade for parts. The Jawas want the Mando to disarm, and he says, quote, my weapons are part of my religion, end quote. Now, this is one of those other... I'm curious if this is another nod to the old continuity of the, of the Mandalorian's, you know, way of the warrior kind of, uh, kind of lifestyle, kind of mentality that, that they had uh, prior to the um, modification of, of, of some of their their history with the, when the, when the continuity got thrown out and they did the, the new pacifist version of them in, in the Clone Wars continuity. Um, again, I could be wrong about that, but that, that was a takeaway that I picked up on. Uh, maybe I'm imagining things. Maybe it's something that happens later on. I, that, not that that makes much sense, but I'm, I'm trying to give them some wiggle room here. I, I don't want to, I don't want to hold fast to this idea that I have that, they, that, that Star Wars is slowly incorporating this old continuity in, in, into its current continuity because um, I don't want to be disappointed. Well, A, I don't want to be disappointed if, it's, if I'm wrong. Uh, but B, I don't want to give you guys information that, that may turn out to be garbage. <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be insightful here and, and, and share things. But again, a lot of it is, is, is opinion. Uh, is opinion. It's a little 
a dab of speculation. I try, you know me, I try not to speculate too much. But, you know, it's, it is, for me, at least with Star Wars, it is kind of fun to speculate to a certain degree. I don't want to get crazy, you know. I, I'll, I'll share my crazy speculation with you at the end of this show. Future Tom checking in once again, and uh, I just kind of wanted to comment about what I, what I said in that, or just a minute ago on the, in the show. Uh, I'm not so sure that the we- weapons as a religion thing is a throwback to old pre-Disney continuity. Uh, I think it's more just an incorporation of aspects of the Mandalorians that we haven't seen yet that are in that vein from the Clone Wars cartoons up into Star Wars Rebels cartoons. I mean, those two shows give us a lot of Mandalorian information, a lot of Mandalorian uh, uh, culture and insights into them. And I think that I think that line is mostly a reference to those things. Um, sure, there may be some elements of the old continuity coming into play, but... Uh, in, you know, in a perfect world, it'd be a little mishmash of both. But we'll see how it shakes out. I suspect we'll get to learn more and more about the about the fate of the Mandalorians as a people in season two of the show. All right, so Kuyil, the Mando, they sit down with the Jawas, and they try to set a price for for the parts to get the parts back for the Razor Crest, and that's not easy. Uh, first, the Jawas want the Beskar, and uh, that you know that's obviously a no. Then they want the baby. They want baby Yoda next, and obviously that's a no. They end up settling on, and I didn't. I didn't write down the word, but they want an egg. They decide on what they call the egg, which leads to a funny, uh, weird chanting from the Jawas. Now the Jawa scenes are really, um, again, reminiscent of the old A New Hope film, you know, Episode Four, because a lot of the sounds they make, a lot of a lot of the things they say are straight from the film basically you know you get you get the boutinis you know and, and a lot of jibber jabber that kind of sounds very much like things you heard uh you know 40 years ago when you watched uh when you watched the new hope or you know <laughs> maybe not quite 40 years ago if you're younger than me so the mando with baby yoda in tow go to retrieve this egg now it might seem a little odd at first that he has the baby yoda that he has baby yoda with him uh, until you realize that the Mando knows that the other bounty hunters are after him and they're going to come looking for the child. And, you know, in that sense, he probably doesn't trust the baby to be around the Jawas. And, you know, Kuil seems to be helping him, but can can Kuil or the Jawas, you know, repel an attack by men, by other bounty hunters who may be coming to collect on, on retrieving or killing baby Yoda? So I think in the Mandalorian's mind, keeping the baby with him makes the most amount of sense. All right, so they, they enter this area where there's a cave. And I guess this, is the, this seems to be where the, where the Mandalorian's been instructed. He has to go, he has to enter this cave and retrieve the egg of what's known as the Mudhorn. In the cave, he looks around, and all he really ends up doing is waking up the Mudhorn and pissing it off. It sends him, after we hear some blazer blasts from outside the cave, you know, we, we, we go to Baby Yoda's perspective and... We hear some blasters, and then eventually we see the Mandalorian get thrown out of the cave. And then the Mudhorn makes this big entrance on, on, on camera. And uh, it's not good for the Mandalorian when that, when that, when that Mudhorn's out. You know, we've heard how good the Mandalorian is as a fighter, but he's kind of... you got to remember, he, he, he only has what he has on his person with him. You know, he has the ambient phase pulse blaster. He has his hand blaster. He gets separated from those very quickly in this encounter with the Mudhorn. So he's left with his flamethrower and his grappling gauntlet. Those get thrashed pretty quickly as well. So he's down to a knife. And he's been getting the crap beat out of him. You know, the, the mudhorn's been having its way with him, throwing him around, tossing him around. He's, he's battered. He's broken. You can see his, like, his chest plate's dented and bent in the wrong direction. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't seem like he has much left in the tank. So the Mando makes his last stand with, with only his vibroblade in his hand that he pulls from his boot. And uh, the mudhorn charges. And then suddenly, you know, as the Mandalorian's bracing for, for this last stand, you know, hoping that he's able to, to get the, get to, to kill the Mudhorn with, the, with, the, with a very small vibroblade at that, uh, you know, it, it seems like a long shot. But then suddenly a, a, a little green hand rises from his pod, and suddenly the Mudhorn is stopped and then lifted off the ground. The Mandalorian's momentarily stunned by what he sees, but he also sees the opportunity presented and as the Mudhorn is lowered back down, dazed by what just happened to it, the Mandalorian strikes the Viber Blade to the side of the head, killing it. 
and uh, Baby Yoda instantly passes out from the from the effort it just exerted by 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 suspending and, and stopping the Mudhorn from killing the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian goes to collect the egg from the cave, and they re- he returns to the Jawas to trade it to, to trade it to the Jawas for the parts. The Jawas rejoice with the egg. They slice it open and then feast on the yellow goo inside in a just kind of slightly gross <laughs> scene as these Jawas are just smearing it all over their 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 black masked faces. It's it's kind of it's kind of weird and gross, but not not the grossest thing I've ever seen before. All right, so riding back to the Razor Crest, uh, you know we get the, we get that 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 clip that we we played to open the show where where Quill's asking. To, to exp- for the Mando to explain what happened again. He doesn't understand. And neither, you know, like, like we heard, the, neither does the Mando. Um, this is an interesting thing right here. So, like I said, you know, we're, 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 in, the, we're in this post-Return of the Jedi world. Uh, so I, I came across some information that seems to confirm that we're living five years after the fall of the Empire, five years after Return of the Jedi happened. Our story takes place on the Outer Rim, you know, and... These are very so far. So far, our characters have inhabited very small places, and you know, you hear a story about you know uh, a crazy Jedi with mystical powers uh, defeating Darth Vader and the Emperor, and it probably sounds like 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 made up, like like mythology, some kind of strange propaganda that the that the Rebel Alliance was throwing around or something like that. So, you know, they probably don't necessarily believe. In, in the fourth and in the Jedi, because because again, be, did, did the Jedi been gone for a long time. So for a character like the Mandalorian, again, we don't know his age, but when the uh, the last time the Jedi were around, he was probably extremely young, and hadn't heard of them. And you know, as as we've kind of been able to deduce from Star Wars, if you're in the Outer Rim, I, I mean, you're uh, that's that's backwater. That is that is um, that's like being in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the 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 concentration of, of activity in in the Star Wars galaxy is in the center, and then as you the further you go out from the center, the more remote things become as far as information and news and things like that. So, it, it stands to reason a, a fair amount that perhaps the Mandalorian, perhaps Kuil, are not super familiar with the with the exploits of a Jedi Knight and things like that, or of the Force in general. You know, like I said, it, it sounds like a myth to them. It sounds like some kind of fairy tale, some legend. That, that they only heard about in stories as, as young people, as children. So that, that does make a certain amount of sense why they don't necessarily understand what's going on there. Yeah, I still very much agree with that sentiment that I was trying to convey right there. And, and another way to think about it uh, is in terms of the American Old West movies and, and you know, uh, movies, uh, the Kurosawa movie set in feudal Japan, you know, think of the, think of the backwater, the... Outer rim planets as these small remote villages and towns that you know the people there are more often than not just trying to get by, trying to survive, trying to make ends meet to feed their families and whatnot. The larger events of the galaxy are of little importance to them because they are so far removed from it. That makes it very easy to believe that Kuil and the Mandalorian Dinjarin would have no experience with with Force users up to this point. All right, so with their sled full of parts, they get back to the Razor Crest, the, the scavenged Razor Crest, the stripped Razor Crest. And the Mandalorian is, you know, he's, he's grateful for the help, but he knows it's going to take a lot of work, so he's got to get started on it right now. And then Kuyo, be, being the, the, the helpful fellow that he's, he's presented himself to be uh, in these first two chapters of The Mandalorian, offers to do what Ugnaughts do best, and that is, uh, you know, mechanic work, engineering work. And he helps the Mandalorian reassemble the Razor Crest, and they get it up and running. I'm a little unclear how long it took. It looks like they did it from you know roughly sun you know dusk to dawn. Basically, uh, they were able to reassemble the Razor Crest, get his computers up the, up and running, get the engines back together, and uh, and that's good news for the Mandalorian because he's gonna be able to leave. The Mandalorian's been insanely impressed with the the, the kindness and the and the generosity of, of Quill, and he offers he offers uh, he offers half the reward, he uh, which is declined. He offers a first mate position on the Razor Crest. Quill refuses that as well. He says he's just happy. Uh, he says that the the Mandalorian is his guest, and so he is indebted to him. 
and uh, the, that the Mando, he's just happy that the Mando has freed his village again so they can go on living their lives. And through all this, Baby Yoda's been asleep. You know, like I said, that, that effort he exerted to, to, to help the Mandalorian in his battle with the Mudhorn uh, it just, just took a lot out of you. Yeah, he's 50, but he's still small and, 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 t- and he tires out easily, especially when you, when you lift a heavy beast into the air like that. And uh, so as he takes off uh, for the darkness of space, the, the Mandalorian, I would imagine, behind that helmet is wondering just what in the heck he's gotten himself mixed up in. So I, I really, really liked this episode. I, th- I thought it was a, an, another strong entry into the, into the series so far. I know it's not saying a whole lot. We're only, we're, like I said, we're two chapters into an eight-chapter story. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think chapter two was maybe a touch better uh, than, than chapter one because we didn't have to deal with so much kind of preamble. We, we just got right into the, into the meat of the story. And uh, I'm really impressed by the pacing of the story. I mean, it's moving... Uh, very quickly. There's not a lot of filler, not a lot of fluff. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're, they're still giving it enough time to to breathe a little bit. Like, like let the character of the Mandalorian have these interactions, have these little relationships, you know, w- you know with, whether it's with Kuyil or this kind of like first initial interaction with, with Baby Yoda. And uh, I, I think they're doing a really strong job with that. And another thing that they're they're doing that I want to give them a lot of credit for is uh, this episode started with almost no dialogue for roughly ten minutes, maybe a little bit more. Um, no dialogue from from the Mandalorian whatsoever. It's all it's all internal. It's all looks, which I have to give a ton of credit to Pedro Pascal playing the Mandalorian because. Yeah, and we're also going to give credit to Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder uh, as we did last week on the show. Don't forget them. As the Mandalorian, I mean, he's his face is hidden behind the helmeted T visor of the Mandalorian. We don't know, we we can't read his face. We have to be able to read his body language, the way he kind of like cocks his helmet to the side, the way he tilts his chin, things like that. And uh, I I think he's doing an incredibly effective job of kind of emoting without being able to use his face. And and I think that's a, a a credit to that man and his acting skills because. You know, while we can't read his mind, we we definitely get a feeling of what he may be thinking, or at least on the lines of what he's thinking about the situations that he's in. Um, speaking of the brisk, speaking of the brisk pace of the show, I was a little sad that this, this episode was only it's listed at thirty three minutes, but not counting the credits and such. It's 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 basically thirty minutes or so, and I was like, I was like, wow, that's really short. Um, this, in this episode, it it does it flies by. But a lot of things happen in this episode, too. So it's not like we got shortchanged by any means. You know, it's not like we, we sat down and we just watched him at a dinner party for 30 minutes. I mean, there, a lot happened in that 30 minutes. That great action set piece with the Sandcrawler, the battle with the Mudhorn, all the stuff with the Jawas and, and Kuil in between, and, and then you know, at the end with the, with the Razorcrest. Um, uh, like I said, a, a, a very strong entry. And, and now that we're kind of in the meat of the story, uh, I think this, this is... is Again, I don't want to call it a starting point, but it's a great chapter in the sense that, hey, here's a story. This is what we're doing. Pay attention. Because, it, it, I mean, how can you not pay attention at this point? It's, it's been utterly fantastic and easy to follow and, and fun to follow. So that's good stuff. What's coming next? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I'm kind of glad that they don't show us the little, 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 uh, little trailers, little teasers after the episode for the next one, uh, because I kind of like the fact that I don't know what I'm going into next week, you know, when the next one drops. Now, I think they go back to a more patterned schedule going forward, at least for the next week or two. Uh, I do believe Chapter 3 comes out this coming Friday, so we do get a little time to breathe and catch our breath or, or go back and watch the show a couple more times, which is probably what I'm going to end up doing. Um, but the schedule gets a little, tr- a little truncated again, I think, over Thanksgiving. So I'm going to get the schedule for you guys and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Hang on one sec. Okay, so the Mandalorian release schedule going forward is we got episode 3 on Friday the 22nd, episode 4 on Friday the 29th of November. Friday the 6th of, no- of December is episode 5. Episode 6 is Friday, December 13th. Episode 7 is Wednesday, December 18th. Now that's important because they're going to leave us hanging here after the 18th. 
All right, so we get that we get episode seven Wednesday the eighteenth of December, the penultimate chapter. Then the season finale, episode eight, won't air until Friday, December twenty seventh. December twenty seventh. Oh man, that's gonna be a long. What is that? Nine days? Oh, oh. No wait, it's eleven days. Oh, even worse, even worse. No, it's nine days. I was wrong. I can't count. So. They don't pay me to do math. Yeah, get ready, because uh, we're going to have to wait till just after Christmas. Maybe if your family's still in town, you can make them watch the penultimate chapter, or you can make them watch the penultimate chapter on Christmas Eve with you guys, or Christmas Day. And then if they're sticking around, you make them watch the closing chapter, too, and they become a huge Mandalorian fans as well. Oh, my God. Spread the love. Just spread the Star Wars love. This is a Star. This is a version of Star Wars I think a lot of people can kind of get into because, you know, I, I kind of have this theory, and I'm going to share it with everybody, and everyone's going to think I'm a lunatic, but it's okay. I don't mind, but I want to share this. When you're a kid and you're watching Star Wars, especially when you're a young kid, you want to be Luke Skywalker. You want the laser sword. You want the force powers. You want the droid sidekicks. When you're a teenager, you want to be Han Solo. You want the Wookiee, you want the cool car, a.k.a. the Millennium Falcon, and you want to gallivant across the galaxy doing whatever you want, meeting crazy alien women and doing all that fun stuff that Han Solo's known to do. And you kind of sort of want to be Han Solo up until like you're 40-ish or so, all right? That's kind of my theory because right around the time I turned 40, I decided I wanted to be, I really wanted to become Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just want to go off into the desert and be left alone for the rest of my days. And that's my Star Wars theory on life. <laughs> Wrong? Crazy? Maybe all of it. I don't know. But, uh, uh, you know, if you see me purchasing real estate in, 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 the, in, the, in the desert soon, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked at all. So let's kind of talk a little bit about, about some stuff. You know, what, what did we learn out of this episode? What kind of uh, 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 theories do we maybe have going forward here? We didn't get any answers to the questions that we had from last week. Except for the one that, like, okay, cool. Baby Yoda, Force-sensitive. We know that. Baby Yoda, at 50 years old, still a baby, can use the Force. We now know that. So that's important stuff. But we don't know, know, anything, about, we don't know anything about who Baby Yoda is, where he's from, uh, uh, what's his connection to anything. Now, it, it, it's interesting to note, Baby Yoda, they say, at the time of the show, 50 years old. Which means that he was born, conceived, hatched, whatever... At a time when Yoda was still alive. That's important to note. Because, and, and actually I think technically he was born prior to the events of the, of, the, of the prequel series. 50 years is a big chunk of time. Now do we, I, I still don't subscribe to the theory that he's some kind of uh, uh, the descendant of Yoda. I don't think Yoda is the kind of guy to, to break his Jedi vows and, and to have a secret family anywhere or anything like that. Um... It's more probable that he is uh, just a, a, this baby Yoda is another member of the same species that the Empire seems to have obtained through whatever means um, that I'm hoping that we will elaborate on soon. Um, but I, I want to put it out there just because I, I thought of this the other day, and I'm I'm it's not a, a theory that I'm attached to, and it's not you know so I'm not I'm not putting a, a ton behind this. And I kind of hope it's wrong, but would, would, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they decided if they if this turned out to be a clone of Yoda. To some, you know, I I think that's a reasonable explanation. We we saw you know, we know that in the Rise of Skywalker coming out um, in December, clearly we're dealing with a clone emperor. Is a clone Yoda off the tables? Maybe not. Maybe not so much. I still don't think they're going to go that way. I kind of hope they don't go that way. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's something we can uh, dismiss out of hand. I mean, remember, we have Imperials looking for him. We have an Imperial scientist looking for him for some reason. Is it because this is his cloning project? Is it because he just wants to kind of harvest, harvest the, the force abilities from this, from this being? We, there, there's a lot to, to still kind of suss out from the, from the story. But I, I, I just wanted to kind of put this out there so, like, you know, Think about it. Let, let me know why I'm right or wrong. Hit me up on uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I got the emails. 
you know, share your baby Yoda theories. Uh, I'll be happy to share them on the on the on the show if you don't mind. Hey, Tom, checking in again. Uh, it it sort of does seem like cloning is a big part of what's going on with baby Yoda, as future episodes kind of reveal a little bit more of of who the scientist is, who is hoping to reacquire baby Yoda. So we'll see if that pans out uh, more down the road. But yeah, a little bit of a not necessarily a correction, but sort of an affirmation of what's to come. Um, it's it's kind of fun to speculate at this point. By ne- by next week, maybe you know, maybe we we have more concrete data. You know, who knows? Um, it's interesting to to, to 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 theorize about this to a certain extent. We don't want to get crazy, though. You know, you don't want to get nuts. No, I guess you could. I mean, if you want to say that, like, uh, yeah, baby, uh, you know, Yoda had a side family in Vegas, and Darth Maul stole the baby and uh, turned it into the Empire before he got bisected by Obi Wan Kenobi on Naboo. Sure, we can go with that plan too. Why not? What the fuck? All right, and something else we should talk about too. The it's only it's not even intimated. It, it, it this is this is all on on me and, and kind of like the 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 burden of of knowing things that maybe don't even matter anymore. It's probably important to note that again, this is prior continuity. This is prior canon to to Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. This, these are from the books, from the role playing games, from the comics that predate the Disney sale. This this whole Mandalorian backstory. Uh, also from also from the Knights of the Old Republic video game, from from all the fans of that, the Mandalorian and the Jedi do not have a good history with each other. They are not on friendly terms more often than not. Uh, the Mandalorians have often sided with the the opposition of the Jedi in in galactic conflicts. Uh, several times they have sided with the Sith in galactic conflicts. So the Mandalorians and in in the Jedi. Uh, are in a lot of ways they're diametric opposites. Uh, you know, you have the Jedi who are guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. Uh, you know, nobleness, chivalry, kind of thing like that. All that good stuff. And the Mandalorians have a code, but they also they follow the will of their leader. And if the if the Mandalore, when they have a Mandalore, you know, sides with so and so in a conflict, that's just that. And you know, it's not like the Mandalorians are like, okay, we're the bad guys now. It's like the Mandalorians are just doing what the Mandalorians do. Granted, the Mandalorians also are more fluid. They are bounty hunters. They are mercenaries. They are armies for hire in a lot of senses. So there is, uh, again, these the, it, because of their kind of uh, moral ambiguity, uh, the Mandalorians, again, are, are just opposed to the Jedi more often than not. The Jedi, again guardians of peace and justice and and the mandalorians are like guardians of whoever pays the most sometimes and that's just and that's just how it goes it's it's two different kinds of warrior cultures you have the warrior monks of the jedis and the warrior warriors of the mandalorians now again i didn't i did tell you that there are the more the 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 mandalorians are complex you know and sometimes they know they're on the wrong side and it's just is what it is because you have to follow the the will of the mandalore i mean that's just Kind of how it goes sometimes, uh, but the Mandalorians also sack up, and they know when they're wrong, they're wrong, and when they've lost, they lost. So, like I said, there is a there is a nobility to them, but it's it's very much like I guess the, the closest thing I can think of is is if you watch Star Trek and you and you kind of understand Klingons, they're kind of Klingonish in a way as as far as uh, their honor and their their codes and things like that. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us sometimes, but it makes sense to them, and that's kind of more important than making sense to us. Uh, yeah, I don't like that Star Trek analogy at all. I sort of regret saying that. Uh, hopefully I clear it up here in the next minute. But why I'm bringing this up is because it's, it's going forward, this, is, this might be a big issue because the Mandalorians are, are weary, of, are non-trusting of, of Force-sensitive beings. And so assuming the Mandalorian's next step is to go back to that enclave where the armorer was at, and he, he presents this, this baby Yoda who can display force powers, um, they might be on the side of like, hey, kill it, or hey, take its dead corpse over to the Imperials and get paid. Um, because the Jedi have done uh, harm to the Mandalorians for you know countless millennia, countless centuries in, 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 in their history. Now again, that's pr- prior continuity. That may not be what we're doing here. That may not be what Jon Favreau has in mind. Um, but it, it bears consideration, I think. Uh, 
I definitely think that bears consideration moving forward because, you know, it's it's funny. Our our perceptions of the Jedi have shifted quite a bit, I think, since we were all children. You know, it seemed like the Jedi's were the ultimate good guys. And then, you know, we get to prequels, and they're kind of lame in a, in, a, in a lot of senses. You know, you, you like Yoda, you like Obi-Wan, but uh, a lot of the Jedi... Uh, a lot of their code, a lot of their 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 shtick is kind of bleh. you guys are boring. Just like it's like vanilla ice cream, and everybody else has at least got like a fud ripple going through them, and 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 so it's it's funny to think about. Um, I, I I love this version of Star Wars because this as aspect of Star Wars with the Mandalorian because we're getting much more of a, of a gray Star Wars. You know, good guys, bad guys. Sure, they could be any or depending on, on what their objectives are. You know, it's, it, the main series of Star Wars is very Empire versus Rebel, Jedi versus Sith. It's kind of black and white. You know where the good guys fall. Maybe one goes to one side, maybe one goes to another. It, you know, it, it's very A and B. When you, when you deal with, with the worlds in between, when you deal with the gray, I think you get a lot more fun, you get a lot more creativity, and a lot more uh, flexibility. You get a lot more uh, hard choices for characters to decide what side they're going to fall on, what actions they're going to take, what code do they live up to. And, and that, again, I, we're two episodes into an eight-chapter show. I, I, this, this could go a thousand different ways than what I'm talking about now. But uh, it, it would seem to me that the Mandalorian will have to make a choice at some point. Is he going to protect this child, or is he going to you know, help be its end? I suspect he's going to help protect the child, because <laughs> that just makes for a better show, I think. But what do I know? Maybe maybe he just gets the bounty, and then you know we just watch him make Beskar armor for four more episodes. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but that kind of seems to be the way it's going to go, and uh, I love that. And uh, again, I love that we're gonna, we we may end up getting this this lone wolf and cub story in space and in in the Star Wars universe uh, because that just makes a certain amount of sense with the history of Star Wars, with Lucas's history of of you know loving Japanese cinema, and. Uh, and that's kind of all I got for you guys today. I mean, I, I was able to stretch the show out for quite a bit considering the episode was only 30 minutes long. But uh, I think I gave... I think we had a lot to, to kind of uh, parse through, a lot to kind of digest. And, you know, we, we did talk about a few things that maybe don't matter, but maybe do. I hope, we, I hope it matters. I hope I'm not wasting your time with a bunch of stuff that doesn't, doesn't count in the end. I hope you're enjoying some of, some of my nerdery here as, as I kind of dig deep in my Star Wars uh, back history here and, and kind of pull up some of these weird facts. Uh, I, if you guys get a chance, you should download uh, Knights of the Old Republic. You can play it on your phones now. I think it's like four or five bucks if you buy it through the uh, whatever app store you have. Uh, it's a fun game to play still to this day. I, I, I had it on the original Xbox, and it was, it was a blast. And uh, it, it, it kind of... Uh, it has a strong, story, a, a strong narrative to it, and it does kind of... Uh, uh, show some of these things that I'm talking to you guys about, about like this history of, of the of the Sith, of the Jedi, of the Mandalorian, because a, a Mandalorian plays a, a significant portion. It has a, it has a sizable role. Um, Marvel owns all of the comic book rights now. So all the, whenever I reference a Dark Horse comic book series, I'm referencing the original publisher. Marvel now publishes all of these things. So you can find them in, in collections. Uh, the, Mar- the Marvel Epic, um, the Star Wars Epic Collections collect a lot of the old... Uh, the old comic book from the 80s, the old newspaper strips, but they also collect and reprint a lot of the Dark Horse series in them as well. And there is a uh, fantastic uh, website. If you, want, if you don't want to actually own physical comic books because like, maybe you have a big bookshelf and you're, you're stacked up already, I, I highly recommend going over to uh, comicsology.com and uh, purchase some digital comic books. Read them on your phone. Read them on your iPad. Read them on your, read them on your laptop or computer. Great way to get some comic books and... Uh, not have to have them take up a lot of physical space in your house, which, which um, my my house is covered in comic books from wall to wall, and my wife hates it. But it is what it is. What are you gonna do? She married a Star Wars fan. That's just what happens. It's Star Wars all day, all day, every day. And I'm not sorry about that. All right, folks. I think I think we gotta wrap it up here. I got nothing else to say. Um, we're gonna be back real soon. We got the next ep- next chapter of. Uh, we'll be doing the next chapter of Watchmen soon, uh, but you're gonna hear this first. This is coming out first. We're gonna we're gonna kind of space the shows out a little bit this week. All right, so we're ramping up. We're heading to the holiday season. Um, the plan is to get more shows out before Thanksgiving. 
And uh, with the Mandalorian coming fast and furious, uh, th- that's not going to stop. And I don't think Watchmen's taking a break either. So stay tuned, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, my name is Tom. Thank you so much for listening to the TomCast podcast, a.k.a. Popcast. And uh, now I'm going to close out with what we usually always close out with. Oh, no, no, no. We are not closing out because now we're back in the present. We're back. It's September 9th, 2000. 2000? 2020. That's probably the easier way to say it. Anyways, what did you guys think of that episode? Uh, I feel like I did a pretty good, pretty good job overall. Uh, episode 2 of The Child is, is, you know, it's the second act of, of the... Th- it's the second part of the first act, basically. And, and it turns out to be a really, epi- really important episode uh, going into the third chapter, which is, which is The Sin. And we're going to talk about that episode very, very soon, too, because that's kind of the, the game-changer episode for the series. And... Again, we'll dive into that more uh, next time. I, I wanted to kind of... I don't want to hammer it home too much because it, 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 at some point it, just, it feels like beating a metaphor to death a little bit. But, you know, we we definitely, as fans, we have our idea of who and what the Mandalorians are. Uh, but it, it's counterbalanced by by what we actually are, are... What's actually confirmed to us via Star Wars The Clone Wars, the films, via... Star Wars Rebels. Um, so it's, it's... I guess I'm just hoping that I'm not making things too confusing by talking about things that are, you know, no longer considered canon anymore. By talking about what's considered Star Wars Legends. Um, again, I find them interesting because it's not just... To me, it's not just minutiae. It's actually stuff that seems to be ma- is seeping its way into the current canon, the current continuity of, of the Star Wars galaxy. So I, I find it all very fascinating to kind of parse through all of it and, and, and see what what's what's making the jump into, into Disney. Um, and, you know, part, the, the Mandalorian culture is, is, is a big part of of Star Wars for, for us fans because it was, it was part of the, that expanded universe that kept us going when there wasn't Star Wars going on. So, again, I don't want to kind of cloud you guys. I, 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 I keep saying guys's. I don't want to cloud everyone's opinions or everyone's thoughts on who and what the Mandalorians are. We have to take what they're giving us, and then we can extrapolate from there. But I don't want to kind of overly influence you guys, guys and gals, and, and find folks into into thinking it's one way when it's not. And that's kind of the balancing act that I'm trying to maintain on the show. Like I want to give, give everyone that information because I, I do find it fascinating, but I don't want to cloud to clog up. The, your 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 synapses and your and your and your, and your brain processes and all these all these different things with with too much information that may not even be useful, um, but I still think it's good information. So that's that's the review. That's chapter two, the child, season one, episode two, the Mandalorian. Uh, pretty solid one, and I'm really 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 looking forward to re-reviewing episode three, chapter three, the sin, because like I said, that is kind of the game changer one for the season where uh where you know we start in one place but by the end of that chapter we are someplace different and it's 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 uh it's a fun fun ride uh and it has in my opinion one of the greatest moments in live action star wars and that's including all nine of the movies so we'll, we'll talk about more more about that very very soon uh i'm gonna start getting these out a little bit faster because i, I want to have some episodes leading up to season two where we're not just re-reviewing episode one but where we're talking to people and we're talking about their reaction to season one and what they're hoping to get out of season two so big things coming on mando vision thank you all so much for taking the time to listen download uh tell your friends about us it, it means the world to me that you've done that uh please continue to do so support us on social media at mando underscore vision on twitter and instagram you can email me it's still tomcastpopcast at gmail.com for the email um there's going to be a Facebook page soon too, but use those social media outlets first and foremost. That's that's the main way to to communicate. Uh, we are now on all of the major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio should be very, very soon. But these are the big ones, and, and we are on all of them now. So whatever platform you prefer, we are there, and that's good news. Like I said, continue to like the show, share the show, tell everyone about us, and if you have the time, write those five-star reviews. They are critically important in this time of everyone in the world having a podcast. I got to get an edge somewhere and, and you nice people will be the ones who do that for me. 
So thank you very much for listening. I will be back very, very soon with Chapter 3, The Sin. In the meantime, remember, this is the way. You need to drop your rifle. I'm a Mandalorian. Weapons are part of my religion. Then you are not getting your parts back. Fine.